Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. Scripture this morning is Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I'm going to invite Pastor Billy to come back up, and I'll pray for him. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for who you are, God, and, and what you've invited us into, Lord. We ask that your spirit would enable us to hear. Uh, God, would you protect us from the danger of familiarity, from thinking we know the Ten Commandments, from thinking we know this scripture. God, just like you, just like you said, Jesus, you're making all things new. Would you make this new to our hearts today? Would you enable real change to happen in us today as you continue to, to sanctify us and to work in us, Lord? Be with your servant, Lord, as he shares the word, guide him, give him wisdom. Lord, give him joy. Bless him as he shares what you've given him this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So I grew up with two older brothers, and often I would get told to uh, say things. I didn't know what they meant, and uh, on at least one occasion it resulted with some soap in my mouth, Okay. So I don't know if you have had a similar experience growing up. I don't know um, what kind of language you use, but typically that's what we think of when we come to this commandment. So there was a farmer who drove his team of mules into town, and he was very late returning home. His wife greeted him at the door and said, what took you so long? And he said, well, on the way I had to pick up the pastor, and from there on these mules of ours didn't understand a single word I said. Perhaps, I'll tell you, some of you will get it in a second. Perhaps we are over-familiar in our culture with these commandments, right? We, we know them, we hear them, we think that we have a good grasp on them, but often we either misinterpret or miss them altogether. There was a senator a few years ago who was f- uh, kind of fighting for these commandments to be placed in a courthouse. And when he was asked, well, do you know what all the commandments are? He said, would you like want me to list them? And they said, yeah, can you do that? And he could barely get through three. These commandments may seem familiar to us, but I think often we live absent of them. They occur three different times in the Old Testament, and literally they mean the ten words. Ten words given by God to his people on how to live in the world. And today we come to the third word, to not take the Lord's name in vain. When we walk through these commandments, we we see them. I want to be careful that we understand that the ten words are not legislation from this cosmic bureaucrat that's trying to ruin everyone's fun, but rather we see that it's wise instruction from a loving father who knows what his kids need to thrive. And so today we come to the third word. Now, if the second word forbids low or careless thoughts about God, the third word forbids low or careless words about God. Like the second commandment, again, at first glance, it just seems that this is an easy one to avoid breaking. Just don't swear, right? I mean, don't cuss. That's pretty easy. Or even more generously understood for those of you who choose to indulge in the occasional choice term when you stub your toe or you're cut off in traffic, just don't swear using the name of God. 
Simple, on to the fourth commandment. But as we've seen with the first two words, the third points us beyond bare minimum obedience to abundant life. If all that was at stake was literal name usage, we could check off compliance with the third word by applying just a little bit of self-control. But names in the Bible do more than just identify an individual. They speak to their character. Therein lies the key to the deeper obedience of the third word. It's this, God cares about his name. This commandment has a lot to teach us, and it's maybe the most misunderstood and misapplied of the 10. It's not just cussing, right? It's actually, again, not only misunderstood, misapplied, but it's also one of the most broken of the 10. So here's our big idea today. Big idea is simple. Honor the name of the Lord. Honor the name of the Lord. We're going to break down this commandment the same way that we've been breaking down all of them in four ways. What does this command reveal about God? What does this command reveal about us? How does it point us to Jesus? And how does it show us the path of life? So let's start with first, what does this command reveal about God? Now, names today are more in line with what sounds good or unique than holding deep meaning. Right, Jessica? I'm sorry, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get in trouble. Look, here's the thing. Jessica's a beautiful name, all right? It means God beholds, okay? So you didn't know this, but God called you to Coram Deo where we seek to live before his face and he beholds you, and that's wonderful. We have like 15 Jessicas for those of you who missed that. I think many of us know that we do this with names, right? We pick names that sound good, names we like, right? When naming our son, Hannah and I would go back and forth and we would say things like, ah, I don't like the way that sounds or it doesn't have a really good ring to it. There's a basketball player named Shakobi. Right? He was named after his dad's two favorite basketball players, um, which is great, you know, if that's what you want to do. But Kobe was named after a Japanese steakhouse. So sometimes names have meaning, and sometimes they're, we're not really sure what's going on there. Now, in this day, when this word was given, a person's name wasn't just to differentiate. It wasn't just to sound good. It conveyed circumstances. It conveyed character. It conveyed reputation. A name carried a sense of the person's character, whether it was good or bad, right? Jacob's name literally means he grasps the heel. But as his story develops, his name becomes synonymous with the idea of deceit and grasping for control. In 1 Samuel, we meet Nabal, whose name means perverse fool, and he is indeed just that in his dealings with David and Abigail. Joshua's name means Yahweh is salvation. And it represents his character and purpose well. And it's also the root of the name of Jesus. So when God reveals his personal covenant name, he is speaking to his character. He says, I am who I am, Yahweh. He reveals who he is. And his name is used over 7,000 times in the Old Testament. And it's treated with such reverence, right, that the Jews were fearful to say or even write it. When God reveals his name, he is saying, I am self-existent. I am the fire without fuel. I am transcendent and I am imminent. God's nature and character is wrapped up in his name. Exodus 34, 6 says this. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 
This became a confession of the people of God, that God was gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That is who God is. There are many other names throughout the Old Testament that are given, and they give glimpses of his character. Like in Genesis, he's the Lord who provides. Or later in Exodus, the Lord who sanctifies. Jeremiah says he's the Lord, our righteousness. We sang this this morning, Psalm 23, that he, the Lord, is our shepherd. Psalm 18 says the Lord, our deliverer. Judges 6 says the Lord, our peace. Exodus 15 says the Lord who heals. And Isaiah 49 says, the Lord, our Savior. God takes his name seriously. It says here that he will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So what does vain mean? Well, it means empty, hollow, careless, worthless, meaningless. Well, we all desire a good name and a good reputation. That's why ancestry is so popular right now. People want to know their heritage. They want to know the history of their name, where they come from. And they like to look back. And if you ever have talked to somebody that's done one of these reports, if they're related to someone famous, they let you know, right? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, in my bloodline, you know, all the way back, I'm, I'm, I have the blood of presidents in me. You know, that, that could be the, ca- the case. Or maybe there's shame if it's someone that you don't want to be associated with. And you just kind of, let's not think about that. Those of you who grew up like me with older siblings, you know that your name carried weight with it. Like I would go to a class and it would be unfortunate for me as the youngest of three because they would say, those Glossin boys, right? Names mean something. If you have kids, you want your name to be honored, right? You want to see your kids grow up so that you can look at your child and say either, I'm so proud of you, I love you, you've grown so much, or I'm so proud of you, I love you turn yourself in, right? That's not what you want, right? You want to make sure that your kid grows up to honor your name, right? So Ezekiel 39 verse 25 says this, therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and I will be jealous for my holy name. Friends, God is jealous for his holy name. He is. He wants his name to be honored, to be revered. To take God's name in vain, it it, it denigrates and diminishes his glory. So we walk through this and we see first that the name of God is holy. So let's look second at this. What does this command reveal about us? What does this command, this word reveal about us? What kind of people need to be commanded not to take God's name in vain? People who are prone to trivialize the name of God. Listening to my good friend, Brian Robbins, he he said that we're prone to break this command in three different ways. Flippantly, falsely, and foolishly. Flippantly, falsely, and foolishly. Flippantly. So the name of God is glorious. Glorious means it's, it's weighty. It has significance. It's, it's worthy of honor and admiration. When we use God's name flippantly, we are making light. We are treating his name as if it is insignificant. So certainly, using his name in profanity is absolutely breaking this command. It is making light of the name of God or the name of Jesus. Now, I don't think many of us do that. I, I don't think that we, we treat that, the name of God like that, but we do often treat the name of God in silly ways, right? TGIF. PTL, praise the Lord, or praise the Lamb, I heard one guy say. So 
OMG or meme culture, Ermagerd, right? We, we've heard all this, right? And we chuckle, we laugh, it's funny, but it's also not. The God who spoke cosmos into existence says to honor his name and we make little of it. Now, I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble here, but it's okay, because sometimes we've got to poke fun at our own culture, right? Because sometimes our culture is bad. For example, Christian t-shirts. Let's take a look together. Enjoy, some of you on this shirt, I'm so sorry. Enjoy Jesus Christ, and thou shalt never thirst. Amen. Want to talk about Jesus? Let us pray, right? That's just, you see that, and like, I, like the, I hear the cringing. It's great. There, there's more. Sweet Savior, Jesus, King of Kings, just straight ripping off others. This one's even worse, though. Amazing God. I'm sure they got a and d from Jeff Bezos. Now, look, I, I get that these are comical. I'm not trying to crack down on your wardrobes. There are people who can wear these shirts with sincere hearts who want to honor the name of God and use it in that way, and that's fine and wonderful. But what I'm saying is we have often been careless with the name of God. Maybe it's not t-shirts, right? Hear this from Kevin DeYoung. This is hard, right? He says, we've probably heard prayers made in this way. Probably heard prayers made in this way. Dear God, we just come to you, God. Lord, you're so awesome. Father, you died on the cross. Actually, Jesus did. Lord, and we just can't help but love and praise you for filling our hearts, Holy Spirit. He says this, not only do prayers like this make a mess of the Trinity, they use the Lord's name as if it were little more than a breath or a comma. We ought to be more careful. Perhaps we've used God's name like a comma in our prayers. We have, here's the, ca- here's the catch here. I'm not just trying to pick on people for idiosyncrasies or t-shirts. I'm saying, have we lost reverence for the name of God? Have we used his name flippantly? Perhaps that's not the issue. Maybe we see that it's been used falsely. There are a number of ways in which God's name is used falsely. What comes to my mind is in Jeremiah 29. I love the passage of Jeremiah 29 because there's this interaction that's happening between the people, the nation of Israel, in Babylonian captivity and false prophets. So the nation of Israel is taken into captivity in Babylon, and false prophets rise up and say, hey, Israel, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. God's going to get us out of here real soon. Just hang tight. Don't talk to anyone. Don't do anything. We'll be out of here in a jiffy. God gets upset and comes to Jeremiah and says, that's not what I said. They are using his name wrongly. They are claiming that God is coming soon, so hold tight. Prophets are they're supposed to speak God's word to God's people, and God comes down and says, they're speaking lies in my name. I didn't tell them to say that. They're making stuff up. Now we hear that, we read that in Jeremiah 29, and we wonder, does that still happen today? And the answer is, all the time. All the time. Televangelists are super guilty of this. I remember just a few years ago flipping through and hearing the news that there was one such televangelist saying, God told me that I needed a new jet. And to just tell you that you need to believe that for me. What? Or how about this? A few years ago, I remember driving on my way to do an internship in New York and on a billboard said, the world will end May 21st, 2011. Anybody remember that? Harold Camping put out a huge ad campaign. I remember pulling into the parking lot in New York to do this internship and talking to my boss who said, hey, tomorrow's the 21st. Do you want to show up and help me flip all the lights off? 
And uh, that was really comical, and I thought about it. We didn't. And, of course, the 21st came and went. And then the news came out. I was wrong. I meant October 21st, 2011. And October 21st, 2011 came and went. 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 1 says this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. When people speak the name of God falsely, they are speaking his name in vain. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Now, sometimes it's blatant right that, like that. But sometimes it's more subtle. And I'm probably going to get some emails about this, but here we go. There's a really popular book. Um, some of you have it on your coffee table. I'm not coming at you. I'm just seeking to let's be careful. It's called Jesus Calling. It's one of the most massively popular devotional books of the last several years. And in this book, the author says, God gave me some words that I want to share with you. And she puts her words in first person as though she is Jesus speaking directly to you. It reads as, I want you to know. I see you. Now, this is very subtle. But she says in the introduction that God's word, right? She says it's the inerrant word and that God speaks through the Bible. But this is the part that, that, that's troubling. She says, but I, I just wanted more than that. And in this book, she's taking her thoughts and she's calling them the words of Jesus and giving them to us. Now, maybe you think, Billy, you're being a little harsh, right? It's a book that's helped a lot of people. But the issue, friends, is that she's claiming that these are God's very words to you and they are not. We have to be discerning, Cormdeo. We have to be. We have to be like the Bereans. Acts 17, we see this interaction happen where Paul goes and he's speaking the gospel. We read this in verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Friends, you should do the same with my words. You should take these sermons and take the word of God and say, does this match up? Is what he's saying in line with God's word? We should be very careful about what we read, what we see, what we allow to come into our lives because it needs to line up, match up with the word of God. Now, sometimes it's even more subtle than a devotional book or blatant false prophets on TBN. Sometimes we say things like, the Lord told me, or the Lord, I love this one, the Lord told me to tell you, right? I've heard a lot of boyfriends breaking up with their girlfriends that way, okay? Right? It's not good. Now, listen, I'm not a cessationist. I do believe that God can and does speak, but we have to be careful. We have to ask this question, could I be wrong? Perhaps I would be better off showing more reverence to say, I believe this is from the Lord. I sense that God may be leading me. And we should ask the question of if that lines up with scripture, right? If someone comes to you and says, man, I just feel like God wants me, you know, to just start doing drugs and move in with my boyfriend. It's like, well, you've, you dialed the wrong number, okay? We've got to be careful that we don't use his name flippantly. We have to be careful. So again, flippantly, falsely, and finally, friends, foolishly. When we come to Jesus, trusting in his life, death, his resurrection, we take on his name. Christian means little Christ. And if our character isn't keeping with our confession, then we're taking the Lord's name in vain. 
You see, to take in this command, it means to bear. It means to carry. That means you, friend, if you call yourself a believer, you bear the name of Christ. So how do we break this command foolishly? Well, we do it in a lot of different ways. Jesus says in Matthew 5, when he takes the commandments and he's, he's breaking them down in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that when we break promises, we are taking God's name in vain. He says, don't make an oath, not just formal hand on a Bible or a stack of Bibles, right? This idea of an oath, it's a vow, it's a promise. The thing is this, he says, when we give our word, we do so as representatives of Jesus. And if we have no intention of keeping or if we overpromise, I'm guilty of that. If we overpromise and underdeliver, well, then we're carrying his name in vain. James, Jesus, his brother says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So let me ask this question. Do you honor the name of Jesus with your life? Right? Do we honor the name of Jesus with our lives? Do not take the name of Jesus, Christian, and contradict it with your life. We look at this, friends, and, and, and again, I know it's, it's gotten quieter. That's why I tried to put some bad jokes in there. Look, we often break this commandment. We do. I was talking this morning, and, and, and we sin in hundreds of ways all the time. We make vain the name of God with a life that dishonors him. And that's why we need to ask this question. How does this commandment third, how does this commandment point to Jesus? Friends, we've been given God's personal covenant name, and that name means something. He takes it seriously. In John 8, there's this very serious interaction between Jesus and the Jewish people. And I was going to try and parse it out, but I think it's important that we just read it. So look at this with me. John chapter 8, verse 48. It says, The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. And who did you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Friends, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that he was Yahweh. He was the eternal, unchangeable, great I am. Right? He doesn't say before Abraham was, I was. He says before Abraham was, I am. They knew exactly what he was saying and they pick up stones because in their mind, he was committing blasphemy. Friends, when we have not carried the name of God as we should, Jesus has always honored his name. See, Jesus fulfills the names of God. Jesus is the Lord who provides. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. 
for us, those who cannot even keep his name without taking it in vain. You see, Jesus is the Lord who sanctifies. He has sanctified us by offering himself once for all. Jesus is the Lord, our righteousness. He fulfills the righteous requirements. Second Corinthians says that he became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the Lord, our shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life. Jesus, friends, is the Lord, our deliverer. Jesus delivered us from the domain of darkness. Jesus is the Lord, our peace. He has made peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus is the Lord who heals. By his stripes we are healed. Jesus is the Lord, our Savior. The Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Cornudio, Jesus was perfect in every way. He is the one who offers us hope. He was crucified with our name, blasphemer, so that we could be called by his name, righteous. We are guiltless because Christ has been found guilty in our place and there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. And there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the name. Oh, praise the name. Friends, we see that we break this command and we look to how Jesus fulfills it perfectly and he offers us life and salvation. And we see last, finally, what does this command reveal about the path of life? Now, these commandments have negative and positive, right? There's, there's negative sides of the command. And that's typically how we, re- we read the commands of God. We can't help but kind of put a negative spin on it. And again, go back to that cosmic bureaucratic way of thinking. The negative is don't take the name in vain. But the positive is take God's name thoughtfully, reverently, and worshipfully. When Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, he says, hallowed be your name. Holy is the name of God. Jesus not only died to forgive us of our blasphemy, of our irreverence, Jesus dies to give us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to help us honor the name of God. You see, the Spirit of God heals us of taking God's name flippantly, Instead, we treat it with due weight and significance. The Spirit heals us of taking God's name falsely, and we become a people who speak truthfully and accurately. The Spirit heals us of taking God's name foolishly. He he grows our character. He gives us wisdom and bears fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, obeying this commandment by the power of the Holy Spirit, what it does is it makes us as a people a countercultural community where we hold God's name in reverence, we're careful with our words, and we learn to keep our word, and because of that, we bear supernatural fruit. There was an Armenian professor who came to America to teach at a seminary. His name was, I'm going to butcher his last name here, Joseph Hartunian. And one day, a well-meaning friend had the same trouble that I just had and came to him and said, hey, uh, Joseph, your name is really difficult to pronounce. It's difficult to spell, and it could actually hurt your professional career. Why don't you change it to something like Harwood or Harwell or something like that? And Dr. Hartuian asked, what do those names mean? And his friend said, well, nothing. 
They're just easier to say. They're easier to remember. Dr. Hartuian said in Arminian, when my grandfather was baptized, they named him Hartuian, which means resurrection. I am Joseph Hartuian, and I will be a son of the resurrection all my days. Revelation 2 says that we will be given a new name. Honoring the third word means honoring the name of Jesus who makes all things new. Hear this from Revelation 15, verse 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Friends, we don't need to wait until that day to respond with an expansive obedience to the third word. Indeed, we dare not because much is at stake. It's not enough to simply refrain uh, refrain from profaning. It's not enough to just simply say, well, I'm not gonna cuss. We must endeavor to hallow, to raise God's name as holy. When we pray as we're taught, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we repeat with the church universal and historic that the kingdom comes when its citizens confess the supremacy of their God. When God's name is hallowed, when God's name is holy on our lips and in our living, we rightly reflect him to a profane world. We shine like stars amidst a crooked generation and who knows who will be drawn into the light. There is Salvation by no other name. Coram Deo, live as those who are marked by it. Let every other name be forgotten and his endure. Let every other name sink into darkness and his name shine forth like the noonday sun. As we close this morning, I want to ask four questions for you to consider and think about. Question number one, what does God's name mean to me? What does God's name mean to me? Second, where am I prone to misuse or trivialize God's name? Where am I prone to misuse or trivialize God's name? Third, how does Jesus' name bring healing and forgiveness to my misuse of God's name? And finally, fourth, Where do I need the Spirit's help to honor the name of the Lord? Where do I need the Spirit's help to honor the name of the Lord? My hope as we go through these 10 words is not that we take them and turn them into a checklist. Not that we become, again, either legalistic or we fall into licentiousness where we think that we can live however we want. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for us. We're good. Or that we become legalistic and says, if I don't, you know, dot every I, cross every T and live perfectly. But rather that when we see these commands that they would bring us to the feet of Jesus. That we would see how greatly we need him. Let's be a people who pursue and follow after him. And let's honor the name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the love, the compassion, the mercy that you have shown us in Jesus. Lord, far too often we have made light of your name. We've made jokes. We have been careless. 
Father, would you forgive us and would you see, Lord, that in your name there is life and life abundant. Would we see how Christ perfectly fulfills every name and offers us salvation, dying in our place for our sins. Would we rejoice, Lord? Would we seek to honor you, Lord, in all we do, God, in all we say? Would we be a people who make much of the name of Jesus? Thank you for the hope, Lord. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.